We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 78, with Ron Fortunato. As I mentioned last week, I've joined the Education Podcast Network. You can find that at edupodcastnetwork.com and see the other great content creators that are doing awesome things for education. Today, I'm continuing my discussion with Ron Fortunato, and we're talking about how to actually implement this real-life project-based learning kind of stuff in your school. So pay attention to this because he's going to give some great tips about how to get started. Also, you can find his email address in the show notes and you can contact him directly and see if your school district wants to partner with his group to get some connection going there. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. I learned a ton from it and I know you will too. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. At this point, we have several of our students, you know, when you look at the project organization, students have different roles and responsibilities, just like in the real world projects. Mm-hmm. And they have tasks that they have to perform and complete. And now they're getting tasks directly from IntelliSense engineers to test different things on the platform because they know the sensors now. They're getting tasks from NASA who asked them to, to perform other types of measurements and things. So now, like for example, last Thursday, uh, um, the project manager at NASA Ames, who, who's actually managing the global project, mm-hmm. sat in on our status review, and we do a NASA-level status review. Each student has to give his or her previous week's goals, current status, and upcoming week's goals. This is all part of the process that we use to <clears throat> have students help understand where they were, where they thought they were going to be, how much time it took to accomplish what they did and what the gap is. Mm-hmm. And, and so it helps them to schedule and figure out how to accomplish their tasks 
It also helps them to figure out what they don't know and then figure out, so how do I get that understanding in order to accomplish this task and solve this problem? And every day when we solve one problem, more show up. And that's just the way it is. You don't have to look for anything. They automatically show up and you have to take them on. And so it's an ongoing process. But the students, you saw like tonight, I had to ask them to go home at 7.30 at night so I could come and talk to you. Right. I mean, that's what happens. It's like, oh, really? Do you really? I do. What, are you hungry or something? Uh, yeah, we'll bring you a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, they come in uh, after school every day. They, you know, we're working it out so they can take credit courses during the day. Uh, and uh, they're, they're, they come on weekends. They are so involved with it. And now already these students in six months are getting letters of recommendation from these organizations that will help them get into the schools they want to get into. And also they get to see careers they never thought they would see before. You know, like like Anna, this one girl, she was involved more on the uh, language arts. And, and there's a ton of writing and communication in yeah. these projects. And if you if you can't communicate, you're in trouble in these things. So uh, she was she was looking at it from the periphery. I don't know. That's one of those engineering things. And then she got closer to it. And then she found out we were doing this nano agriculture project and these other projects, too. And maybe I am interested in that. And then all of a sudden, you know, months later, she's actually leading one of the projects. It's mm-hmm. just great to see. And knocking down our door at the middle school saying, you notice do this stuff she, she's me. coming to the principal and saying, you know, our our. You know, Global Merit Group, who's uh, who's uh, our mentor uh, and partner for this, they're wondering when we're going to start planting because we have to do experimental versus control. We just wrote the experimental procedures; they've just reviewed them. We have to know what the um, um, the the dimensions are of the greenhouse, so mm-hmm. we can do our experimental versus control. We have to go outside to the golf course to get some of their soil that's not working out. That 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 that. that. Well, they just talk it. They they know what they're doing now. And that's what happens in these projects. When you first start doing a real-world project in a traditional system, it looks chaotic. Mm-hmm. It really does. And and you have to trust that. And I, that's the first thing I say. It's going to look like chaos at first until people figure out what the problem really is, what the roles and responsibilities are, what the organization looks like how it works, how what the classroom management looks like. Mm-hmm. So all this I call real-world, real-time um, process. You know, it, it's the training process and documentation that goes into how you build these projects. And and that's really what you see. You go, mm-hmm. I don't get it. It doesn't look good. It's, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And the teachers are worried and things. And all of a sudden, the kids within days start getting to come to grips with oh there are all these different roles we're a team we're not working in an isolated manner anymore we we have to actually rely on each other to do work because i can't do this until she finishes that mm-hmm. and she can't finish her thing until he finishes that and they they learned the system and so that that's how that works it's really amazing yeah she she's knocking on your door because she's on a real time schedule right and they're they're you know she's <laughs> she she has to report to them and and she's wants to know when she can you know set up the trays and put the materials in and begin the testing yeah and and i'm sitting there thinking 
what greenhouse? <laughs> <laughs> and she's saying, uh, the greenhouse that is sitting here that just needs to be built. Like, let's get it going. And, you know, a lot of things are happening behind the scenes. And, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to keep up with. If you're not, if you're not paying attention, it's easy to get um, lost on the way, right? Yeah. Um, so what are some of the challenges of doing this real-time, real-world project-based learning that are different than the activities-based learning that we typically see? Yeah, the, it's it's a bit difficult because if you you can't just start an entire school with real-time projects, it, you just can't do it that way. And so you have to build ramps up to it. Mm-hmm. And the teachers also have to make an adjustment from the way they're currently teaching and figure out uh, okay, what are what is the content that's involved here? How do I know that it's covering the objectives that I have to cover mm-hmm. and like that? So there's a whole process that we have for doing that, and the process works well in every case that we use it for. It's just that it looks different in every place because you have to localize it. Mm-hmm. So it's not one size fits all, but the process is the same, and right. that's what works really well. So the the challenges are that, first of all, you really have to have the support from the the school board has to want it. They, they have to want it for their students and that it's going to um, impact enough students to make it um, worthwhile mm-hmm. for all the time you're going to spend. How many projects do you try that don't work out and you say, how did we know it was, wasn't going to work? We had to try it and then it didn't work and you then you have to look even harder the next time. So there is a risk with any project that you you take on, but we've been successful doing this from here to Taiwan to even China, and China is another story that Mm -hmm. we might get into someday that's a (laughs) bit scarier than people think. But but So the challenge is first is to make sure that there's the wherewithal in the district to see it through. Mm -hmm. And when you get that kind of support like we did in Kodiak, and they heard the words, you, you want research and development environment? Wow, right. that sounds refreshing. It sounds exciting. It sounds like we would really have fun doing that. But I want to build the foundation so that the entire district can do it over time. But again, you ramp up into it. Right. So, so that's it. And then, you know, you have to talk to everybody. We, I bring the parents in. And the the students who are involved in the projects, I do presentations and we do seminars for them so they can see what the kids are doing. And then they end up supporting the students with extra time coming Mm -hmm. in and doing things like that. And uh, right all the way through, of course, the principal, that staff, everybody needs to know. So it's, it's something that you have to be completely transparent about and show them all the steps along the way that you're doing so they can look and see. And then that's good because they see how you're starting, like, wow, how are you ever going to get there? Right. And all of a sudden your kids are talking to NASA Ames Research Center and IntelliSense, and they're going, how did you get th- How did that happen? Yeah. And they're actually talking to us, actually listening to a status report and commenting on each student. Again, they're not tasked to do that, but they want to do it because they feel it's that important too. And and what you just said there that all of a sudden the kids are are talking with these real people, um, and that's exactly how how it was for me. You know, you and I were talking earlier in the year. We were making all these plans. Things seemed to be going, 
And, you know, we spent about a month making these plans. Then all of a sudden, the sensor was there. The kids were setting it up. And it was actually happening. And now, you know, they've already been talking multiple times to NASA. They've already been giving these status reports. And it happened just like that. It didn't take long for them to get get into it and actually make something happen. So one of the things... One of the challenges that I've seen with it is how do you scale this so that everybody can can get involved? Because what it sounds like, honestly, is that this is just for the really gifted high kids, and they're the only ones who have the capacity mm-hmm. to talk to NASA. And you know that's great for them, but not everybody's going to want to talk or be able mm-hmm. to talk to NASA. Mm-hmm. So how do you scale this, and how do you make it so that it reaches? More well, kids. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, again, we've done this with special needs kids, again, with elementary school kids all the way up. I'll give you an example in Copper River, mm-hmm. uh, sixth grade class. They don't even have their platform yet, but we went through a workshop to show them the other platforms, and we get our data live off of all these platforms so we can show them this is what it's getting. And by the way, there's a NOAA-class weather station on there mm-hmm. at the same time, so you can really tell what your environment is doing at this at this uh, location. But what they're, they're doing is, okay, we show them what information is coming off of there. And, for example, in Copper River, I was talking to a sixth-grade class, and they, they said, boy, do they know how cold it is here? And I said, they know it's cold, but I don't think they really get how cold. Or, or the extremes in this environment. They said, look, these things happen. We just don't put a, an Ethernet cable out there. The Ethernet cable has to be wrapped. Right. Otherwise, it's brittle and it cracks. And you know, well, what? And, and then your temperature could go from freezing to you know a 70-degree range in one day, condensation inside of your capsule and stuff like this. So I said, this is really good stuff. And you know what? IntelliSense thinks they know what's going on, but I'm guessing they don't. So that class spent a month going back and studying previous historical data on temperature ranges and all these different extremes in the environment. And they built a report that we ended up sending to IntelliSense. And their CEO says, wow, this is, we, you know, we didn't think, we thought we knew we had sent something up to Fairbanks and well, it's not working now, so there must be something to this. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're in California. And right. <laughs> and, and it's like, uh, hmm, we better harden this a lot more than we thought. So even the sixth graders had an impact on the platform that's being built for them. Mm-hmm. And so that that's how it happens. You find the level. It's, it's you, you find the right problem. It's like, oh, there's a problem here, and we don't know the answer to it. Well, you know, maybe we can help. Once you throw those types of questions at students, you'd be amazed what they come up with. Well, and what's fascinating about that particular story is how many of us have written papers for class about the climate in a particular area and how many of us have been bored out of our minds writing it, reading it, editing it. I mean, it just sounds like an awful (laughs) thing to write about to most people and yet these kids are writing it so that they can get someone who's making something that's going to go on their school so that project that product will actually work when it gets there right and they can influence that 
as they are squirrely sixth graders. Now <laughs> that squirrely group of sixth graders can now say that they provided feedback that improved the operation of a global earthquake forecast system platform. Mm-hmm. They can say it because it's true, right? And and how amazing is that for a kid to be able to say that in sixth grade? How does that set up a kid for a trajectory of their life? Mm-hmm. And so then they do that. And then it's, what else can we do? Now what? Right. And then there's your spin and there's your ramp. Okay, you, you were successful doing this. Boy, you worked really hard, but it was worth it. And now, yeah, there's something else you can do. And you find more and more things because there are so many things to do in a real-time project that it's not like you have to go hunt for them. They show up more than you can solve. So you can keep spinning these things out to more and more classes. So the the ramp is really... Not so much with the students because they pick it up very fast. And students seem to naturally think in systems, you know, when they have mm-hmm. the opportunity. The The tougher part is training the trainer, which are the teachers. Mm-hmm. But that's what you have to do. So you find the teachers who are willing to be flexible and try something new. And play around a little bit with these uh, standards because we're telling you you're going to cover them. But you have to trust that we will. And in the end, we actually align them and show you that you covered way more than you thought you were going to anyway. So that's what happens is you have to go through this process with the teacher as they're watching the students develop into a natural organization for problem solving. You have to figure out how to change how you manage this. You're ending up managing it. And a project manager for a real-time project is not just managing logistics and things like that. You're managing the learning going mm-hmm. on, the resources that are involved, the scheduling. This is all part of that process mapping uh, and planning that I'm talking about. So there is really, truly a process to getting them there, but it takes time. You don't get a skill set like that overnight. Mm-hmm. So over time, you know, it takes a year to get to level one of project management in real-time projects. And then they're on to year two, level two of training. Meanwhile, they're training level one. Mm-hmm. So they're, you've trained them to train those. And then the next year, they're at level three. They're pretty good. And now they can train that upcoming cadre, that court two, level two. So you do, we use a train-the-trainer model, and that's how you scale it. And the other thing that happens, it's inevitable, that the students are going to buzz so much that other teachers will come down and say, what in the world are you doing? Yeah. And then they say, can I do that too? And you, there's always room. So that's another good way is a teacher actually sees the result in the students, not only being excited, but demonstrating skills. Right. And that's what gets them usually. Yeah, that's awesome. So could you could you have a whole school just run on this? Um, this idea of these real-time, real-world projects. Is that a possibility? Is that something that we should shoot for? Or should we just put it in where where it fits to begin with? I think you, you just start with where it makes sense to fit with to begin with. Because when you make those successful, that's what happens. Other teachers want to start working on it. And your model begins to scale. Now, who knows how far it'll get. I, I have had opportunities back in the Goals 2000 era, era to do full schools mm-hmm. where we did ninth through 12th grade um, full project-based schools. And that's where, where teachers, 
uh, a project required three teachers. Uh, maybe there's a math teacher or a science teacher. There's always a language teacher uh, involved because of the communications was king skill right there. Yeah. So between written, oral, uh, and, and other types of communication, uh, that was always the big thing to accomplish. So yes, you can do it whole school that way, but that takes a while to build. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just let it grow. It's going to be organic. It's going to grow because uh, the, the obvious benefits to both the teachers, the, the students, the parents. Parents see a different level of engagement. I just had parents walked in today, just walked into the lab and, and said, do you mind if I come in and see what's going mm-hmm. on? You know, I, my, my, my son tells me this thing and I'm going, you're doing what? <laughs> and I said, come on in. And they come in and, and we take her around the lab. And, and then that's when I take the opportunity to have the students explain what they're doing. And they'll, they'll talk to the parents and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I'm on the nano agriculture project. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm on the high altitude CubeSat and weather balloon project mm-hmm. and I'm on, you know, the sat- new satellite tracking project. We, we've got all these things going on that kept spinning. Now we're using unmanned aerial systems to track tsunami marine debris on the island. I mean, and we're doing that with NOAA. I mean, we're actually, you know, tasked to do that with them. So it's really great to be transparent like that and open. But I think to go full school, you need to just ramp it up. As, mm-hmm. as is the best speed that you can go. I don't like to push it too fast. It ends up going as fast as you can allow it, right. as you could see in Kodiak. Mm-hmm. It went from the school board thinking, you know what, in this first year, if you do one project with a dozen kids and one teacher, that'll be good success for us. And now there are over 80 kids, you know, five teachers, whatever, three schools, and now about to multiply again inside of the first year Mm -hmm. but that's because kodiak school district has actually allowed that to happen you know when 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 that happens we can move faster yeah otherwise you move at the speed the district can go right and and that's what's really neat about this project is that you can go at whatever speed you can handle Mm -hmm. and you know we were going to do three projects now we're doing five we can handle that so we're going to do it and if we could have only handled one project, we would have knocked off those other two and just focused on that one thing, you know. And I think that's a really, a really smart way to do it because we don't run faster than we right we can really go, you right. know. Right. Um, so how can uh, if if a principal out there is listening to this, how do they get involved? How do they how do they contact you and and learn more about this? Yeah, I'd love to talk to anyone interested because we're scaling. Uh, like I said, I've done this from the East Coast to Alaska, and uh, when we get into these types of environments where now we have partners that I've never seen before, usually I end up with one partner for a district or a project. Now we have 25 partners. It's another very amazing thing has happened, and that is that these big organizations or any of these organizations have realized that they need to do education outreach. They just haven't done it before Mm -hmm. so when they see a project like this and they say oh yeah you you're doing what we're doing there's a way for us to help and support it so now we have numbers of partners that are have i just haven't seen it before but just contact me my email it would be the best way it's ron at trilliumlearning.com 
T R I L L I U M learning dot com. And I'll be glad to respond to questions. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. And uh, if somebody wants to get started today, what's one thing that they can do, even if it's not contacting you, what's one thing they can do to start getting involved in real-time, real-world project-based learning? Look at local organizations uh, and look at what problems they're trying to solve. That's the first step. And then there's a whole process of figuring out what type what to define that problem and your projects and your milestones and goals and scheduling all the stuff that goes with it but the first thing really is to find out what's important going on mm-hmm. you know in alaska fisheries are, are huge and kodiak fisheries are huge well the tsunami marine debris is coming over with uh the, these uh, species and invasive species that that are may may hurt our our fisheries that would be devastating so these projects you know you, they're so important and they're right here on your back door so you can look around and find out what those are and then see if there's a way to set up an organization that can solve those problems yeah I love it thank you so much for your time Ron appreciate you being Pleasure. here Hey, thanks so much for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me that you're downloading it, that you're listening to it, and that you're listening all the way here until the end. If you could do me a favor and uh, go to iTunes and rate this podcast and then share it on social media, that would be really great and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.